Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Okay, guys, so in previous episodes, we've talked about how to prepare yourself for an appointment with a specialist. So this is a physio, chiro, osteo, doctor, consultant, someone that you're going to see about your back pain. We talked about things that you can do to prepare yourself, both mentally and physically, so that you're confident and ready when you're walking into the room. Today, Rob and I, we're going to be talking about questions that you can ask your back pain expert while you're there in the consulting room with them. A mental list or physical list that you can write out to make sure that you're asking all those pertinent questions to get the most out of your consultation when you're there. Isn't that right, Rob? So true. It's so easy to sit there being nervous. You know, we've all been there. It's very nerve wracking when you see someone for the first time and you go in with all these questions and you leave with all these questions. But when you're in the room, you actually forget what to ask. So we've come up with some questions which we think that we'd like our patients to ask that would be fully expected patients to ask, fully understand that patients will ask these questions that you can just scribble these down, take them to your next appointment and hopefully get a full overview of what's going on in case you forget everything. Absolutely. Rob, uh, what's your favorite question? What's your first one on that list? So my first one here is, what can I do myself to manage my pain? Now, this spins on a little bit from last week's episode when we spoke about self-management of back pain and why it's so important to kind of help garner those tools which you can you know, help yourself to treat your own pain. So asking that your therapist, what can I do to help myself is vital. So and this will be you know, expected from your therapist to give you some tools to help self-manage your, your pain, showing you some tips and tricks that which might be exercises, it might be lifestyle advice in order to help you get the, the, the most from the treatment. The idea being that if you're at home and you wake up and you're in some pain, you don't have someone with you there to you know, rub it better, make it feel better, do any kind of manual treatment to you. You should have the tools or have more tools to help you self-manage your pain. So that's the first thing. The second one being, what can you do outside of that? So are there, is there anything which you're doing which you can change in terms of your desk, your lifestyle, your occupation, which might have, be having an impact on your pain, which you can change now to help improve that recovery? I love it. It shows a great active involvement from uh, from you as a patient as well. You're keen to get it sorted. Um, yeah, what an awesome question to ask. Perfect. What about you, Dave? What was on, what was on your next list? Okay, um, so one of my uh, uh, my big ones is, uh, should I um, continue to take any medication? So should I be taking any medication or uh, supplements along this journey? Now, uh, while most people who aren't doctors, so we're, t- we're talking chiros, physios, osteos, and they like it, they're not able to give you any specific medication advice. They will be able to tell you if they think you would benefit from speaking a GP or a prescribing pharmacist about that medication. Um, this can be a really interesting route to take to make sure that your pain is as low as possible and you're in the best place to heal, get on with your daily activities and feel the best that you possibly can be. So although you might not be sitting in front of a GP or a pharmacist, they'll have some great advice on who to see next in order to confirm that. Yeah, and the situations which I often recommend people should seek further help if they need pain medication 
is firstly when the pain is stopping them from sleeping, especially when it's really bad nerve pain, um, you know, that really raging sciatica and it's really stopping people from sleeping, then you know some nerve pain medication can be really beneficial. And that's often that's when I'll say go and speak to the GP. And when they're, they're, it's stopping them performing any of their activities of normal life, um, so they can't do their job, they can't do their work, they can't move about the house, you know, otherwise without medication, they'd be pretty much bed bound, um, you know, because it's too sore to move. Obviously, we're trying to get them to people to move as much as possible. But if you have to take some painkillers just to reduce that pain by 10, 20, 30, 40 percent, it allows you to move a lot more. And I think that's the benefit of painkillers is it's not people often think it's masking the pain, it's you know, hiding something when you know, I don't think of that, you know, you think of it as it's just reducing the pain to allow you to move more, to allow you to do more exercise, to allow you to go about your life much more normally, which ultimately will then help to reduce the pain. Absolutely. Uh, Rob, next question. Uh, What else do we have? So, um, do you feel any scans are necessary? Now, all clinicians, you know, we've mentioned them all before, are all trained to assess for signs whether you would need a scan. And our primary job as, as Dave and myself being chiropractors is to rule out or to make sure that your pain isn't caused by something much more sinister. And so that's a large part of our job through our history, examinations and questions that we, that we do. And so if we feel that imaging is necessary, you know, we would have that discussion with you. What shouldn't be done is routine imaging. So x-rays you know, are pretty useless for the vast majority of, of most back pain. You can't see the pain. So routine x-rays shouldn't really be, ever be done for lower back pain. But if you're asking your therapist, do you think a scan is necessary? What I'd like to think that they will say is the reasons why you might need a scan and then why that's not appropriate in your case. And then vice versa, if they feel you do need a scan, this can then be discussed with you, the pros and cons of both sides of it. We know that, you know, there's some indications that poor reporting of scans can lead to long-term worse outcomes. But if appropriate and used okay and explained well, then there's no reason why scans are unsafe in itself. But so having this discussion with it and the therapist will likely, you know, open up all of their findings, all of their research, exactly why you need a scan at that point or don't need a scan at that point. Absolutely. So there's got to be some some very particular reasoning uh, behind those scans. Yeah, and th- these are what we call the red flags. Um, and, you know, we had the episode on is my back pain serious, and that's what we're looking for. Um, we, you know, when we're having a scan, we're not looking to find pain. We're not looking to to try and you know, it's, it's not a diagnostic, purely diagnostic procedure. It's to confirm what we already suspect. So we we suspect something, suspect something X, and then we have a scan to confirm that. You don't just do blanket scans to kind of have a look and and see what the problem is. The issue being is that 99% of people walking around probably have got five or six things that will show up on a scan that could potentially be the cause of pain. So when that's not combined with a good history or a good exam, you know, we're kind of back to square one and it can make things almost even more confusing sometimes as well. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Okay. uh, Dave, what's next on your list? My next question, and I like this one, which is how long is this likely to go on for? Now, Uh, whilst this individual thing can be very hard to predict, we do know that the vast majority of back pain does tend to get better better in a matter of weeks or months. So sometimes just hearing this can be beneficial in itself. Um, Now, each of your uh, clinicians that you're seeing will have a wealth of clinical um, uh, and, and research experience to tell them the average amount of time it would take for someone of your age, condition, that's your weight and uh, uh, fitness and all that sort of stuff, Um, your age, condition and pain levels, how long it would take for that to heal with their experience. So they can give you at least a ballpark figure of what you should be expecting. 
Now, look, your job as a patient is to do all the wonderful things that we tell you to be as active as possible and beat that recommendation so you get to smile at the end of it. Um, but that can be a great thing so that you have a, a recognition, A, that it will finish. This is not a an ever long problem. This doesn't need maintenance for the rest of your life. This isn't something that needs to be continually assessed and there is an end in sight. But it also uh, can be helpful if you're thinking it's going to be done by Friday so you can nip off on your skiing holiday and you've walked in the room with 20 years of back pain. It might not be as simple or as speedy as that. No, and that managing expectations is so important. And sometimes when you say to a patient, you know, this will get better, you know, it might be a matter of weeks and months, but it will get better. That's sometimes enough. And people will immediately even feel better just to be told that, you know, they might have, you know, some some false beliefs around, you know, you might have back pain for life once it started or my grandmother had sciatica and it never went away for the rest of her life. You know, those type of beliefs that so many patients have, whereas we know that the vast, vast majority of back pain will get better and will go away. Um, of course, there are exceptions to that. And there are people who are obviously listening who might have had much longer term pain than that, but the vast majority will. So when you explain that to people, sometimes it's like a bit of a weight off a lot of people's shoulders. Mm. Uh, next question, Rob. Oh, it's a good one. Could my pain be from anything else? Oh, I like now, it. Now, you probably are. You'll probably ask ask practitioners this and watch the colour drain from their face. And you know, I think we should unpack this one a bit. And the reason being is that you know, whenever you know we are examining you, going through your history, we have a what we call a differential diagnosis running through our head at, at all times. So when you sit down and you say, "Yep, I've got back pain." and it's going down my leg, you know, immediately we'll sit there and go in our head, okay, what can cause this? And, you know, on previous episodes, we had that episode on differential diagnosis of, of you know, what else could be causing my pain. So we'll start with that list and we'll go, okay, is this bone? Is this nerve? Is this muscle? Is this joint? Is this, you know, something a bit more sinister? And as I said previously, our job is to make sure firstly that it's nothing nasty. So we'll go through all those questions to make sure it's nothing nasty. And pain is very, very multifactorial. You know, there are so many factors that play into back pain. It's very rarely just one cause. But we will have that discussion with you. And if you're asking the questions on, could this be anything else? We'll explain to you why it is what it is and why it isn't what it isn't, if that makes sense. Have I just made that phrase? Why, no, why it is what it is and yeah. why it isn't what it isn't. Yeah. And the question, so when you're telling us that, yes, you know, the, the pain is intermittent, it comes and goes, you know, that for me is always a good sign as opposed to much more constant pain. You know, you don't have radiating pain, you don't have pain going anywhere else, you don't have any history of any other medical conditions. These are all the factors which, you know, tell us that, yes, this is relatively normal. Of course, there are always, again, going to be exceptions to this. And obviously, this wouldn't be a medical podcast without me putting in a caveat saying, please take everything we're saying with a, with a, <laughs> with a, a, a small element of salt. But you know, any practitioner will be fairly comfortable explaining to you that, yes, there are possibilities, that there are other conditions that can cause back pain. However, you don't present like that, and this is why. So that should be, you know, a pretty standard conversation to have with most most other people, and that with most patients. And that will also give you confidence as to why you should move and bend and lift. You know, if you're scared of having a, you know, a patient last week said, oh, do you think it could be a, a fracture? Do you think I could have broken my back? And this was a, a young kid. Um and it was highly, highly unlikely. It didn't present like that. It was a very normal, non-specific lower back pain. And I said, this is very, very unlikely. But if I, you know, if he had that belief that he had a, a fracture to his spine, 
then and I was going to tell him to do so lots of bending and lifting and pick up this heavy kettlebell, he's probably not going to want to do that very much because he thinks he's got a broken back. Hmm. Which if I say, no, that's, that's, that's not the case here. This is normal back pain and it benefits from moving and bending and lifting. It changes that narrative and he's much more likely to then go and do the recommendations if he's got the confidence that actually he's okay. So having that conversation is important. Whereas if we didn't have had, hadn't have had that conversation, he would have gone away with still kind of wondering that at the back of his mind. Absolutely. So knowing what it isn't is almost as important as knowing what it is sometimes. So striking yeah. those, oh, those big exactly. scaries off the list. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that is a hard conversation for us to have and for you to have as well, because, you know, and I think, you know, getting into the weeds a bit, it's no one ever will want to say to you, this is definitely not X, because people will want to, you know, to an extent, if we're talking honestly here, protect themselves a little bit, because there's always going to be rarer cases with this. Um where you know people present slightly differently and that's always the worry that we have so very rarely will ever someone tell you that 100% it is not x but we can tell you you know with all the tools that we have our at our at our what's the word I'm looking for disposal. all the tools we have in front disposal right now um you know we, we know with some certainty that it's not that it's not this well look, Rob seeing as you mentioned the practitioner looking at you testing you talking to you is going through almost like a tick sheet in their mind aren't they if it's this, then it can't be this. If you've got that, then it's probably that. We're going through that uh, probability calculator as we're taking histories and doing tests. One of the things that you can ask as the patient sitting there, and this is one of my favorite things, is what does that test indicate? So if we're asking you specific questions or applying specific orthopedic tests, that's when we give you a bit of a, a wiggle and see if anything rattles, um, you can ask, now, why are you doing that? Or what does that test indicate? Look, it's, it's your body at the end of the day, guys. If a test is being performed and it hurts, you can ask why. Here's the great thing. Your practitioner will no doubt absolutely bloody love what they do and will take no end of enjoyment explaining exactly what that means. And that's going to help with that question of could it be anything else? They'll explain why they're lifting your leg up and testing like that. They're checking to see if there's irritation or pain being recreated, I don't know, from, from the hip, say that then rules out or potentially rules out these next four conditions. So they're going through that mental checklist. What you're doing is you're creating a sense of transparency between the practitioner and yourself. Unfortunately, if you start asking these questions, guys, they'll probably never shut up. That is the downside here. But I, I love as a practitioner, nothing more than explaining what I'm doing as we're going through. It shows the knowledge of the person in front of you and working on you, and it keeps them on their toes as well. I like it. So yeah, what does that particular test, uh, particular test in indicate why would you be doing that you're not questioning them and their skills you're looking to be let in it's not an offense to ask these things honestly your practitioner will love it and especially if it hurts you know if someone's lying on your back and you lift your leg up and you know you're getting pain you know and someone says to you oh that probably hurts because that's putting a bit more irritation on the sciatic nerve and it's reproducing your pain you know having that conversation whilst you're going through it is is, is really beneficial and as you said we love having patients who want to talk about this as he said we could talk about this all day and we love talking about this and obviously there are some people who really don't care and they just want to be told what they've got to do at the end of the day and that's fine and some people really want to be involved in this but the more active you are in that education educational process and the more you are invested in your health and recovery you know it's a really positive you know encouraging sign for us that you are wanting to get better and wanting to 
make that recovery and wanting to do something for yourself to be fully invested. That's it. You might be in front of that practitioner having tests and a history done for up to an hour. It's going to be a very sad affair if you're very quiet through the whole thing and no one's talking to each other. Um, uh, get that communication open so you can uh, visualize and you can actually see um, their thought process and their decision tree as they're working through. Exactly. And you, you mentioned hip as an example. That's a really good one. A lot of people come in worried about their hips, especially, you know, can I say the older population? Is that, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. The older the older population, I won't put an age on it, the older population, you know, will come in with, with back pain and they're often worried about their hips. They're worried they might need a hip replacement. And then you can show them that actually this is your hip range of motion. It's fantastic. You know, you've got no pain. I can move your hips around fully, not causing any pain. And that is another thing that will then just boost their confidence that, oh yes, finally, it's not my hip. I won't have to have a hip replacement next week, which is, you know, I'm sure that everyone listening to this might have wondered or, you know, therapists listening to this will have probably had that question a lot as well. You know, do I need a hip replacement? Absolutely. Especially with the dangers of Dr. Google. If you do go on and look, let's face it, we're all going to do it, aren't we? If you do go on to Google, when you do go on to Google, look up your condition and it gives you the worst case scenario. You might have sat in that consultation for 45 minutes, assuming it is that worst case. If you open up with your practitioner, they'll probably tell you in the first five minutes that it might not be that first case because I've done this test, this test, and I've asked these five questions um so yeah only good stuff can come from that vital fantastic vital. Uh, any more questions think, rob oh sorry mate have you got more from that? yeah the last yeah the last one i had was um asking your 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 clinician what signs you know might i have that would indicate my problem is more, is more serious and a really good example of this is cordial equina which again we've, we've touched on and it's a really important condition to be aware of for the lower back and, you know, corticoin is a very, very rare complication of, of lower back pain or of a disc problem in the back. And, you know, people can often come in with regular lower back pain without any signs of corticoiner, but it can develop further down the line. But it can develop further down the line. So being aware of what to look for if this starts to get worse is really important. So in the case of corticoiner, you know, we've spoken about the change to bowel and bladder, the changes around the sensation around the genitals, incontinence, difficulty passing urine, as well as lots of other tests, a lot, lots of other signs as well. But if you're not aware of what these these signs are, how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know if they're connected? So mm. asking, what should I be looking out for if this is getting worse or progressing? Then you can then alert the alert whoever needs to be alerted if you then start to display some of these symptoms. I love that. So it might not be that worst case scenario right now, but what do I do if I get there? Or how do I know that I'm there? Yeah, exactly. And it's that, um, you know, capturing everyone, you know, as much, you know, safety netting is the, is the, the term that we use a lot. So, you know, better giving everyone the knowledge and then hopefully that you never have to use it compared to not telling people and then missing out on missing out a few people. So, you know, we should be, you know, helping out as many people as possible to be alert of what, what signs are, are serious and need further investigation. Fantastic. That's the end of my list, Rob. Yeah, me too. I think those are the most important ones. You know, if anyone else listening has any other questions which they feel that are really beneficial or really help to get the most of of a or out of a consultation, then you know that's what I what I would go for. Oh, I actually do have one, which we could probably do a whole episode on, which is known as the Kieran O'Sullivan test, and this is a this is a test for a question for therapists actually listening, but also it plays a bit to the to the patients as well. Mm. And that is, you're asking your patient when you get home and you speak to your partner, wife, child, grandmother, whoever sent you in, you know, whoever, whoever you're at home with, and they say, what is wrong? What are you going to tell them? 
and then get that patient to relay back to you what you've what you spent the last hour chatting about and if they can't succinctly tell you what the problem is and how it's going to get better then you haven't done your job properly because like they should be able to walk away and you should be able to walk away and know exactly what the problem is how it's going to be fixed how long it's going to take what they have to do about it mm. straight away you know that that's the, the key most important information at the end um and that kind of you know from the patient perspective i often you know like it when people say okay what do i have to know from today or like what is if i walk out of here what's the one most important thing i i, I have to remember and that's often another one which patients someone asked me that a few weeks ago and i thought that's a really good question actually okay here are the highlights you know this is what you have to remember like the three that. most highlight important things to take away end, from today yeah. highlight highlight really at the end so just that recap at the end is uh, is really important because often you can go over all this information and then you might do a load of treatment do a load of exercises and then say goodbye and you kind of forget the recap at the end mm. and then you've had a chat about you know the football throughout <laughs> the session and and forgotten about all the other stuff so having a little highlight reel you know knowing what you have to remember knowing how you're going to explain this condition to your to your partner at home is is really useful so therapists out there kieran o'sullivan test um oh, there must be some sort of royalties we have to pay for that but uh the kieran o'sullivan test so ask uh i'm pretty sure it's the kieran o'sullivan if it's not the kieran o'sullivan test i've really messed that up and i really apologize <laughs> yeah. or is it so apologies if anyone listening yeah if kieran if you're listening and it's not you then <laughs> thank you i apologize um I, i'd take it mate just take the take the applause um yeah what's the three most important things that i've told you today if you're a patient though if you are in front of a practitioner um and they haven't done this summary do you know what give them a summary report back to them the three things that you've taken away so you've told me that i've got sciatica being caused by a, um, an irritation of my lumbar nerve you want me to do some gentle flexion extension exercises and you want me to walk and exercise every three hours is that correct give them a summary if they say no, or if you've maybe misheard something or misremembered, they'll um, uh, update you or correct you right there and then, rather than taking home those misbeliefs or uh, uh, you know unheard uh, things. And um, it's a much much smoother transaction, and it shows that you're on the ball. Per- perfect. Yeah, I love that. I, I really like that. Brilliant. That's us, Rob. Thank you for joining me. No worries. Thanks for for this week's episode. I've enjoyed that one. That's a I think that's a really useful episode for a lot of a lot of patients to to hear actually. So jot down those questions, write them down, take them in, take them into your your next consultation, and ask these questions. And be a be a be a prepared patient. Be active in your own recovery. It's only going to help you help you out in the long term. Love it. Goodbye, guys. Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you next week. All the best. See you. All.